This morning, uh, I actually begin a, a very short two-part series uh, entitled All Things, and the title comes directly from the words of St. Paul, words that can absolutely transform us if we pay attention to them and say them over and over and over and over again in all situations, which is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, if you can't be here next week, you can uh, go to our website, uh, part two will be on after next Sunday. Anyway, um, as I was thinking about this series, I reflected back to an experience some time ago when I was at an amusement park with our family. And while I generally enjoy places for a few hours, such places for a few hours, truth be told, most of the newer kinds of rides leave me on the verge of uncontrollably throwing up. <laughs> I can take uh, speed and going up and down, but twisting and turning and going upside down repeatedly is an entirely different matter. Who really wants to do loop-de-loops anyway? My brain just responds differently than it used to, to unexpected direction and speed changes. Many of today's rides are like roller coasters of yesteryear on steroids. And as I, and as I think about uh, roller coasters of today, I've, I've decided that maybe instead of having minimum height requirements for these new rides, they should post maximum age rules. <laughs> Roller coasters, they're just part of what an amusement park is all about. But it's also true, isn't it, that roller coasters of another kind happen to be part of just what life is about. We who have had the privilege to live know all too well that the years we have are all about the ups and the downs, the twists and the turns, the good and the bad, the pretty with the ugly. Sources of joy and sorrow often coexist, and they're just part of the deal. Said another way, life is a mixed bag, isn't it, of great things alongside with all that is quite opposite. And because this is the case, it seems pretty important to me to explore whether or not our walk with Jesus has anything to say to us of value as we ride our own roller coasters in life. Well, to help get us started this morning, I'd like to share some excerpts from a letter. It's not a long letter. I'll give you some details about it after I read it. And here's the letter. My friends, life has been such a journey. It's taken surprising directions. It's been filled with moments of gladness, joy, and gratitude, but also passages of pain, hurt, and sorrow. And as I write this letter, my future is completely uncertain and out of my hands. I sit here in a prison cell without representation. It is dark and dank, and the only nourishment I receive comes from the hands of those who offer compassion by what they bring me to eat and drink. It feels as if all I have accomplished is at risk of being washed away. I have lost all hope. I am afraid. I might die slowly or over the course of time, or I might be executed. I worry for you, my friends. I don't know what will happen to you. It feels as if all I used to be able to count on is changed into things I no longer believe in. There is so much division, so much hatred. I don't know whether or not to give up. It all seems so bad. Wow, what a letter. The letter I just read is fictitious. And despite the fact I made it up, it's based actually on Paul's letter to the Philippians. However, what you just heard is the antithesis of what Paul actually wrote and thought and believed. Despite the fact that he was indeed in a prison living in the conditions I just described. 
And the kinds of things Paul said in my made-up letter never crossed Paul's lips. And although this is the case for Paul, as Robert, I have to ask some questions. Wouldn't it be reasonable if we were sitting in a jail cell 2,000 years ago with zero certainty about anything coming our way? Wouldn't it be reasonable to feel some of the things I expressed in the fictitious letter? Seriously, how would, you, how would I feel right now if we were in a jail cell with no food, no drink, no care, no shelter from temperature variations, no news day in and day out, no legal rights to speak of, not knowing if the next day would bring along a painful execution, out of contact with those we loved and cared about, not knowing if our life, work, would carry on without us, and living with total and complete unpredictability. How would we feel? Would our faith in Jesus make any difference at all? I think these are reasonable questions to ask because we are human and if we were sitting in Paul's shoes in that jail right now, what would be on our minds actually? And as I think about Paul's jail scene and I think about myself being in that scene, I begin to imagine other scenes that are happening right now in the world and I begin to imagine those who are suffering right now and those who are around those who did not survive what has been happening. As I think about Paul's jail cell, I've, I've wondered how might the victims of the hurricanes be feeling right now? How about the families of the victims of the Las Vegas shooting? How about those affected, some of whom have lost family and friends and pets and housing in the ongoing decimating deadly fires in California? Does our faith, would our faith make any difference to us if we were in the midst of those situations right now? And closer to home, while we might not be living with the consequences of a massive natural disaster or unspeakable violence, is it not true that for all of us here today that we have areas of pain in our own lives, even if not as dramatic as going through a hurricane or a shooting? And while the sources of pain may vary in terms of origin and intensity, isn't there always something happening somewhere in our lives, at least a little bit of something going on or happening, even though we're carrying on and living fully in other ways? Isn't life indeed like a roller coaster? Sometimes we're on top of it all, and everything is beautiful and wonderful and magnificent. And yet there are other passages in which we would just as soon put our head under a pillow. Now, I'm not trying to be morose this morning. There, but there is a lot occurring in the world that is horrendous that I can't just skip over. And as I've thought about Paul, I've thought about our world. And there's stuff happening in some of our lives that is just plain bad and simply can't be spun into something less awful or hard. And as I've listened to people over the last several weeks all over the place, I've found that for a lot of people, even, even for those whose lives are generally really pretty good right now, I've at least heard doses of them expressing some fear. Fear over where the world might be headed, fear over shootings, fear over natural disasters that seem to be piling up, fear over lack of leadership all over the place, fear that our children are relating to devices more than they seemingly can relate to people. And some people, as I listen 
are feeling hopeless to do much about the world as it is now. Now, this may not sound like good news, but as you've heard me say, things have always been messed up. <laughs> they always have and they always will be until Christ comes again. So am I really bummed out and simply saying to you this morning that life sucks and then we die? <laughs> Is that the point of this morning or next week? Or am I saying that since things are hard, we should simply eat, drink, and be merry and pretend it's not happening? Or am I saying, like the writer of Ecclesiastes, that everything is useless? Or am I saying that, we, that given the tough things, that we really should insulate ourselves and go on with our very individualistic, self-focused lives and pretend that the Houstons, the Vegases, the Californias, the cancers, the abuses, the betrayals, the letdowns, the firings, the money problems, the job stresses really aren't that bad or hard anyway. And by the way, those problems over there aren't really about us anyway. Is that what I'm saying? Well, the answer to all these questions is a resounding no, absolutely not that's what I'm saying. And as I think about it, I don't think those are the real questions we should be asking anyway. I think the real question is people of faith, for all of us to ask and ponder and work and wrestle through with God is, does Jesus have something to say to me, to all of us, in the midst of this mess? And the short answer is a big and resounding yes, of course, absolutely. It's why we're here. It's part of what I will get into today and part of what I will really get into next week. Now, that said, you need to know that I believe that fear and hopelessness and despair and concern and worry is part of what it means to be a human being. And such experiences of hopelessness, despair, and fear are all over the stories of Scripture, and they're all over the stories of Scripture because they are our stories. And it strikes me that as a human being that sometimes fear and anger and worry and despair and other like feelings are reasonable given the severity of some of the things that are happening. But I've also come to understand that when we feel fear and despair or anger and helplessness and the like, and when we feel such things on a sustained level, when it is the basis for how we approach life, well past the events that may have been precipitating events, it may be a clear sign and signal to us in the midst of it all to go inside and to check some things out. When we feel fear and other feelings like them, I be, believe it may be time for us to go inside and ask ourselves some questions. Questions like, what is this fear telling me about me? What is this anger telling me about me? What is this despair telling me about me? What are these feelings telling me about where I am with God right now? And what might God have to say to me in the midst of these feelings? And while having difficult feelings is okay and human, as I've said, if we live and stay in dark places of fear and anger and helplessness and the like, then we might be venturing down a path that won't lead us to a place that either we or God wants us to be. That such a path won't lead us to the joy that Paul talked about won't lead us to a place of being there for other people, 
won't lead us to a place where we can fully be ourselves. I also think that our fear and our anger and despair can tell us, at least these feelings have told me in my own life, that we may be putting too much stock in the externals of the world, that we may be defining ourselves too much by what is happening at the moment, that we may be depending too much on what is temporary and ephemeral, that we may be spending too much time on sand instead of with the rock of our God. Now, once again, I just need to be crystal clear. Fear, anger, worry, despair, they're not only okay but appropriate. They're human. Of course, we feel such things. Jesus wept and despaired. There's no condemnation from God for us when we're in the thick of it and going through things and feeling these things. I wouldn't be preaching this sermon right now at a church in Santa Rosa or in San Juan, Puerto Rico, because they're in the acute thick of it. I also need to be clear as I go on that the idea of you have Jesus, so just be happy. It's ridiculous. But what I am saying is that letting fear and anger and worry and despair take us over or become our mainstay on a sustained basis or color everything in life, including things that might be joyful, might just mean that God is inviting us to pay attention and to go inside, deep inside, and to check things out. As I mentioned, this is a two-part series, but I want to focus on one thing in my remaining time this morning. And next week, we're going to get to the phrase, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But in the meantime, I want to talk and close about something to think about and pray about this week. And that is specifically fear and faith. Fear and faith, these are things that we really need to be attentive to as people of faith in these uncertain times. Now, many of us, as I said, might be feeling some fear. Many of us might be struggling with faith. And so what does our faith have to say to us? Well, you've heard me say before, and you've heard many other people say before, what is the most frequent command that God says in Scripture? I mean, hands down, the most frequent command. It just blows every other pair of words that God says out of the water in Scripture. God says it over and 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 over again. He, God says these two words more than any other command in all of Scripture. You know what it is? Fear not. Very good, Regina. <laughs> Regina's my wife, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> God says, fear not more than anything. Why? Why do you think so? Could it be because God knows that that is one of our biggest challenges in life, living as human beings in this world of uncertainty and unpredictability? In this world of joy and sadness, in the midst of this roller coaster, God knows it. Don't you think that's why God says, fear not more than anything else? And don't you think it's because of fear not that Paul was eventually, as I'll get to next week, was eventually able to get to a place where he said, no matter what's going on around me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Why? Because he knew that God didn't want him to be afraid. In that jail cell, 
And I love this quote from Max Lucado about fear. Feed your fears and your faith will starve. Feed your faith and your fears will starve. Feed your fears and your faith will starve. Feed your faith and your fears will starve. It's beautiful. In other words, the more time we intentionally focus on God instead of the sand, the more we focus on God instead of fear, the less we will fear. And the more we focus on fear and not God in the midst of the fear, the more we will fear and less trust in God will have. That's hard to do, isn't it, sometimes? That's really hard to do. Because I know things can get really overwhelming, and I, can know, I know it can be a challenge to work through fear. I know that trusting God can be a very difficult thing to do. C.S. Lewis said, in fact, that the turning point in his life, the fundamental turning point in his life, was when he realized that he could not have faith and trust in God unless God gave it to him. So he said, God, I can't have faith. You've got to give it to me. And it changed him. And I understand that working through fear and trusting God takes practice. What's interesting is that it took Paul, who wrote the letter to the Philippians, practice. He said he had to learn the stuff he talked about. He had to learn it. Learning meant he had to practice it. And because of learning, because of practice, he learned that he could be okay in any circumstance through learning and practice. And so I've got homework for you to do this week and for me to do this week. It's hard but easy. And I believe that if you practice this, and I believe that if I practice this, no matter where we are in our journey in faith, that it will have an impact on the roller coaster ride we're on. I invite you this week, regardless of where you are, just repeatedly each day, even if you have a deep faith. I invite you to say something to God like, God, in the midst of all the joy of my life, in the midst of the sorrow of my life, in the midst of what's hard in life, in the midst of what's painful, in the midst of what is good, in the midst of all that is happening in my life, above all else, will you help me trust you? Will you help me trust you? To say to God, I know I cannot get trust on my own. I know it's a gift from you. Help me to trust you. God, life is such a roller coaster, the good and the bad. Help me to trust you. Help me to not be afraid. Help me to feed faith, not fear. Help me to trust you. That can be a very transforming thing to practice and to learn, regardless of where you are. Wake up tomorrow morning. God, help me to trust you today. Independent of circumstance, independent of the news, good or bad, help me to trust you. And as I said, Paul, who was in a prison cell, I described practice and learn such a way of being and doing by doing it over and over and over and over again. And I think when we gain that gift of trust from God, we begin to learn that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So we will continue next week, but I'd like to invite us just to take a minute or two, and I want to focus, I'm going to ask you to focus on just one thing in prayer. Just ask God right now to help you trust God 
like never before, regardless, regardless, despite, no matter what is happening. Ask God for the gift of trust. Let's just take a minute or two and just individually just focus on asking God for that gift, regardless of where we are.